Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 292. And this week, it's been about three months. You know what that means. We're about to check in with our co-host with the most on the scene from her house via Zoom, Heather Waz. She's back to talk with us about some winter stuff, about getting ready for 2021, how she's feeling. Just wanted to check in with her, see how she's doing. It's been too long. Uh, also this week, we're going to talk about uh, the closing of a local restaurant. Uh, we're going to talk about the Biden inauguration. We're going to talk about King Kong versus Godzilla. We'll talk about uh, Larry King, Hank Aaron, uh, history lessons, uh, Dave Chappelle, the WWE Network. All of this, folks, plus a mailbag, plus some Spotify uh, picks. All of this, folks, and so much more. As always, just like every week, we are happy, ecstatic, excited beyond belief that you've decided. Come here and join us on the YouTube Oh, It's Uticast episode 292. I had to look it up there for mm. a second. Uh, and as I tease, joining us once again, it's been about three months since we checked in with our, our exiled uh, co-host, Heather Waz. Who's I not, can't believe it's been that long. Since we've had her on the pod? Yeah. Well, you know, three months when we're when you talk to somebody pretty regularly, it's like, I don't know, you know, I just wanted to chat her up with her, see how she's yeah, doing, right? Absolutely. Everyone else here, but like, like crazy on the pod. Just you and me chatting at each other. Which we do a lot of anyway. It's a lot like just, re- it's just normal life. We could save some time on Monday recording the show by just wearing lapel mics and turning them on over the watching. course of the weekend and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 It's so funny. I've talked about it a million times before. I can't tell you how many times I've like found something funny or mm. interesting that I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell Kevin about this. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to tell Kevin about it. I'm going to wait three days, four days, and then spit it at him on Monday. Mm. Uh, which is not Saving always. Saving it. Saving the content. It's right. I, I make my life day-to-day less fun so that you guys can have more fun on the podcast. You want to save the fun. You wouldn't want to have too much fun at any one time. You know, then who are you? Just some guy having uh, a good time? It's true. It's <laughs> just some guy enjoying himself, having fun. Making uh, the best of his days. Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't have a ton of uh, we don't have a ton of stuff about politics uh, coming up. We'll talk a little bit about Biden and stuff. But let me ask you this question, just because mm. oh, I'm curious. Do you feel like existentially you feel less dread since Biden's been in office? Like personal? Uh, I've heard a lot of people bring this up recently, and I, I don't necessarily feel that way, but I'm just curious how so you. So I think I think um, I feel less dread in the immediate day to day sense. Yes. Uh-huh. But everything mm-hmm. existential and structural that you were concerned about and worried about is still very concerning. And I just hope that all the people who were really, really motivated this election cycle stay engaged and don't treat Biden yes. taking office as the finish line, but treat it rather as the starting line in a race that we happen to qualify for in November, if that makes sense. Okay. All right. I just, I'm just curious. I've, yeah, I've yeah, seen but, that yeah, But yes. Yeah. I mean, in the sense that day to day, do I worry that we're going to, you know, start a war with Iran every single day or stuff like that? Yeah, that's fading. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like I'm not. I guess what I what I do appreciate is I don't feel like I'm held hostage 
by the news cycle now the way that I did during hmm. the the Trump presidency, right? Yeah, that's there was right. even a quote earlier this week. I think it was uh, the new uh, press secretary. Who was like, yeah, Joe Biden's not going to be breaking any stories on Twitter at one in the morning, right? Right? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I like the sort of normalcy of the way, the yeah, flow, yeah, yeah. the way you know. I, I don't know. What if Joe Biden was just tweeting randomly at like one in the morning? What's he tweeting about at one in the morning? Just about like Delaware ice State cream. College basketball, ice cream. Like, what's <laughs> he's just? You know what I like? Vanilla. It's like, yeah, I bet you do. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's do a little bit of local stuff. You got some local stuff. I love here it. For I you. always love local stuff. Yeah, it's our local quick thoughts. And I have one quick thought, which is not local, but you'll understand why. I see. I saw this this week. Uh, this story is from earlier this uh, last year. It's December 2020. Uh, when the New Hartford Village Planning Board decided that the Cliffs Gas Station, mm. New Hartford, is going to expand. Mm. And they were going to get rid of the classic Utica restaurant, Casa Tumucha. Mm. <laughs> classic New Hartford restaurant, I guess. It's not really yeah. Utica. Uh, this I saw this week that they're officially closed. I don't know if we ever talked about Casa Tumucha on the show or them closing. you have any thoughts about well, Casa officially Tumucha? closed, they bulldozed the building. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're officially gone is what I meant to say, yeah. Oh, officially wide yeah, open yeah, yeah. to the elements. Uh, did you have any thoughts about Casa Tumucha before? Because <laughs> I have uh, some takes on Casa Tumucha. Yeah, um, garbage. Terrible. Not good. <laughs> so, like, when I was young, when I was young, I was told, like, oh, you know, this place, this place, this place, you gotta go there and try it. And as I get older, I realize it was just the only place the in only town place. making Tex-Mex-style food uh, back when I was a child. Yeah, I, I think... went there, like, sometime within the last ten years, not very recently, and it was, it was not good. It, it was I don't think it was good. ever good. I think you're right. I, uh, I, we used to go with my family. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think... You bring up a really good point. I don't think Mexican food had reached, like, the the, the cultural saturation. zeitgeist that it has now, right? Like, wow. uh, like there's, like, three different Mexican restaurants in Utica right now, or around this area that I can name that I would much rather go to than Casa at any point in time, right? Sure. But back in the day, Casa was interesting, because I used to like the way it looked in there. It had all, like, the, mm-hmm. the Mexican theming stuff and, like, the desert stuff in the middle. And I will say there's two items that I always talk think about when I think of Casa too much. One... People used to talk about, like, their fish fry, and I never understood it. They're like, oh, they got this great fish fry. I'm like, do they? Because I've had it, and it just tastes like fish fry. I never mm. got why. But they were always, like, on this pinnacle of places people would talk about, be like, oh, going to get fish fry, going to stop at Casa. I got to tell you, I'm going to pivot here to fish fry for a second. Um, I think the the scope from, like, good fish fry to bad fish fry is not as wide. Like, no. People are like, oh, this place no. is really good, but this place is okay, these places... I think there's a lot less variance between all the fish fries than than fish fry aficionados want to admit. I mean, one of my favorite fish fries in the whole world was the Church's Fried Chicken, or Crown Fried Chicken, sorry, mm. in Brooklyn, who would give me the three-piece spicy fried haddock combo for like seven fifty yeah, yeah. in a box of fries. Was it fancy? Mm-hmm. No. Was it delicious? You're goddamn right it was. <laughs> uh, we, had, uh, we had two crown fried chickens here in Utica for quite some time, and they were always oh, like, wait, I can get the fish? This oh, is... man. I like crown fried chicken because it used to walk, I used to walk into the one in Brooklyn, and I like the, I like, you know, I always talk, if you're starting a restaurant, right, the key to starting a restaurant, at least for me, in my opinion, right, you want to have a small menu that everything's good. You don't yeah. want to have, like, a thousand things on your menu. I agree. And you don't want to, like, oh, we got, like... Chicken fried steak, and then I'm also Manhattan clam chowder. And I am so. immediately suspicious. If I go to a new restaurant and there's like eight pages yeah. of menu, oh, they make everything. Mm, I know, because I, you know what it is? I know too much. Mm. I've worked at restaurants. I've worked in kitchens. I understand how like ordering and stock rotation goes. 
there's things on that 12-page menu that are not getting rotated no. out as much as you would like. No. I, I worked at a large touristy restaurant in New York City, uh, and it had a huge menu. And I gotta be honest, I thought the food was all pretty good, but we could have had six items in the menu, and it would have been exactly the same, because yeah. people just ordered the same six mm-hmm. items over and over and over and over again. Talk to Tim yeah, Hardman yeah, yeah. about people ordering the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah, um, so if, you, if you're looking for your Casa too much of fish fry, RIP. I will say one thing. Mm-hmm. One positive thing about Casa before we move on. When I was a kid, I used to go with my older sister Karen and my older sister Kelly. Shout out to my sisters. Mm-hmm. And we used to get what was essentially... A bowl of cheese with sausage and spicy peppers in it, right? Mm-hmm. It was in a ceramic bowl. I don't know what it was. It was like queso dip with, like, sausage in it. And for whatever reason, I thought that was the fanciest thing you could ever get when I was a kid. I was like, is this just a bowl of melted cheese and sausage that I can dip tortilla chips into? And I really do think it ruined my expectations for what, like, adult food was going to be like. I was just, is this what adults eat all the time? <laughs> delicious cheese and sausage bowls? And mm. No, apparently it's not. Uh, but I always thought it was... Isn't it? <laughs> so shout out to Casa. I know it wasn't good, but I did actually like it as a kid from a... You, uh, a local landmark, yeah. nevertheless. They yeah. had that really cool, that, that picture of the buffalo on the outside of the building. Yes, that's right. They were trying to get in on some of that oh. Sweet Sweet Holland Farms cachet. Uh, here's some negative Utica news this week, since we're talking about positive. Mm. You see, we had a Utica native who was accused of dragging a police officer in the Capitol riot. No, who was it? Oh, he was trying to escape to Switzerland. His name is. Let me see here. I gotta find it. Uh, Sable is the last name. Uh, where I, I gotta find the name. Either way, we had somebody. We had representation in the house for uh, for the Capitol riots, which. I'm both sad about, but also kind of not surprised. Why would, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. What do you mean? No reason to be surprised. Go, go yeah. drive through North Utica today. That's <laughs> true. Jeffrey, today. Jeffrey Sable, 51-year-old 50 man in uh, in Utica, New York, mm. uh, was the man. Uh, I appreciate, though, his like bold move to flee to Switzerland. <laughs> like that, should, that feels like you made it up at the last minute. We're like, oh, what can I go... Where I can, uh, it sounds like he half remembered something he saw in like a '90s legal thriller. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, what did they do in that movie where Carrie Elwes was the lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently he wasn't living in Utica. He's just born in Utica. But thanks yeah. a lot, thanks a lot, Utica, showing up, showing up big on the. I, I don't. I don't blame Utica for this. I blame this gentleman. Uh, speaking of one last local story, just something to be aware of by the time you folks hear this on mm. Tuesday, probably. Be aware that tonight we're getting some snow. The snows are coming. Three like for to f- real? Yeah, like three to five inches. I've heard. Oh come on! Three to five inches across the north. Like that. Three to five. Oh wow! Three to five inches. We haven't gotten that much. Wow. Now. Well, because the climate. Because the climate's really destroyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True. But it's true. No, when you say like warning, folks, we're getting some snow. I need to hear. I need to hear. 16 inches. 16 inches. Got it 16 so, inches before yeah, yeah. you have my attention. I gotta but be honest. I'll be charitable. I'm feeling charitable today. It's Monday. 12 inches. You have my attention. I care. Less about the snow and more about the temperature, which has been in the like the low single digits, which I'm not enjoying. Yeah, you would think that after years of living in upstate New York, I would be more like I don't care about the colds. And I notice it like uh, our good friend Justin from Maine, Utica doesn't seem to care that much about the cold. Like he'll just wear like I care a too much about the cold. I don't care for the colds. I like I, I've got no problem dressing for the weather though. Like if I, when I go out, I've I've got layers on. You know what I mean? Like got all the items. You know all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you were, I was making fun of the other day. I had that thing that everyone has, which is the giant parka style jacket, like yeah. the world's biggest jacket. 
jacket for no reason. Oh, what do you mean? That's just a regular ass winter jacket. It feels big. It feels like it's a lot of jacket. No, you're caught up in the narrative. That's that's just a regular winter jacket. But you gotta have a jacket like that up here. If you're going out in some North Face fleece, yeah, you're gonna be cold as hell. Of course you're gonna move to Florida. Go on. Before we get into uh, the national news, I just want to talk about uh, one thing that's sort of in the cultural like relevancy sphere right now, and I feel like I'm uh, a, a, a pioneer in talking about it, and that's Godzilla vs. King Kong. The Godzilla mm. vs. King Kong trailer came out yesterday for a yes. lot of people to watch, and uh, I just so weird to me. You know, I've talked about it before on this pod. I grew up a comic book nerd, reading mm-hmm. all you know all these characters that I read about growing up. I yeah. find it very strange that they're now like, part of the mainstream cultural, like, discussion. And not Captain America and Iron Man. I'm talking about, like, Thanos and Drax the Destroyer. I'm like, I can't believe people know what these things are on a mainstream level. Yeah, yeah. And King Kong versus Godzilla is also kind of in that realm for me. 1962, this movie came out. Like, Godzilla is a thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, sort of the... the I've seen, like, a weird excitement for people be like, hey, King Kong versus Godzilla... Uh, I'm surprised that people are... Cause no one cared when the last Godzilla movie came out. It, like, it kind of washed under the radar, I oh, feel like. You know, yeah, because it's... People like a versus. <laughs> people love a versus. Like- Alien versus Predator was terrible. People were hyped. Freddy versus Jason, great film. People Shockingly People like that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, people love a versus movie. I think the idea of a versus movie is interesting to people. Like, just the title. Anything versus anything mm-hmm. is kind of interesting, right? yeah. yeah. What's the versus movie you could get that we haven't seen yet? Is there one you want? We like oh, Robocop boy. versus Terminator? I've been no, waiting for that one. No, I don't want Robocop. I want Robocop <laughs> versus Terminator. I know somewhere for sure along that's not the one that I want. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. I'm sure there definitely is one. Could we do like Deep Impact versus like Armageddon? Could that be a movie? Like combine those two movies into one? No? No. One was a comet, one was an asteroid. It's all different things. I oh, right. I see. <laughs> I see. So yeah, King Kong versus Godzilla. Um it's, it's one of those things. I've seen people like some like someone asked me like, "Do you think it looks good?" I'm like, "No, it doesn't. Of course, it doesn't look. What, what if it looked good, I wouldn't care to see it. Probably. <laughs> like, I want it to be. It's, well, I think it's one of those things too. Where, where what does good mean to you, right? Because I think about it in the context of music all the time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. being a musician, I think about music, and people are like, "Well, is that a good song?" Like, right, did well, you like it? <laughs> I think, you know what I mean? It's like, I think How to Disappear Completely by Radiohead is a good song. And I also think, uh, like, Treasure by Bruno Mars is a good song. It's true. Those two things are very different. I like them for very different reasons. But good? Sure, it's good. You know what you song know what I, mean? I, I used to think was a good song and mm-hmm. I now no longer like? What's that? Is that song uh, by The Weeknd. That Blinding Light song. Mm. Because they've played it in every NFL broadcast for the last month because he's playing the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the Buffalo Bills will not be in, by the way. Sorry, Bills fans. We had a rough we had a rough night this weekend. They've played that song to death so much over the course of this that I never want to hear it again. It's well, been absolutely battered. You know why they're doing that, right? Because the weekend isn't famous enough otherwise. To, for the older folks. For yeah, the older yeah, folks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got you gotta, you got to imagine... You gotta imagine a lot of like you know your parents and uncles watching football on the weekend did not own the, the House of Balloons EP. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they weren't following old Abel from way back in the blog buzz days. They have no idea who this guy is. I th- I always find again much like is he gonna play? I can't feel my face. Boy, I hope Bowl? so. He has to. I hope so. That's what like a great his song. biggest song. <laughs> That's like his biggest song, but that I mean that song is expressly about like doing cocaine. 
I Yo, mean, the Super, not that the Super Bowl really cares, well, I guess. not but. for nothing. We watched that video they this week. They had Lawrence Taylor in the Super Bowl. We watched my nephew this week, because I've forced you to watch. My nephew was doing a, a music thing for the school that he, like, teaches him how to play guitar. They were, yeah, they were doing a live stream from the, he goes to one of those School of Rocks, right? School of Rock. So and they teach him how to, like, be in a rock band, yeah. which is awesome. And it's hilarious, because, like, some of these songs that the, the teachers are having the kids sing, like these ACDC songs, mm-hmm. are very clearly just about, like, Having sex, <laughs> right? It's just like... That song where they had that little like, girl singing that whole lot of woman by ACDC? <laughs> Man, listen. I don't know. Sorry. Uh, good stuff. Uh, shout out to my nephew. You did a great job. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, the national news of the week. I guess political mm. news. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about the uh, the inauguration because we mm. we sort of missed it in the flow. It, was, it hadn't happened last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's start off with some some positive stuff. Joe Biden was sworn in as the forty sixth president of the United States in Washington on Wednesday, mm. and Kamala Harris made history as the first woman, first black woman, and first Asian woman to be sworn in as vice president. Mm-hmm. During the inauguration, uh, Biden called for unity, which is. I've seen a lot of interesting discussions about what that means, what unity means. Mm. Uh, soon after arriving at the White House, Biden signed 17 executive actions on issues raising, uh, ranging from the coronavirus to climate change and rolling back measures enacted by President Trump, who obviously did not attend the inauguration. Can we watch part of it? Would you have liked to see him there, Trump? Uh, no. I'm, first of all, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> who is that guy? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not aware of I don't know this person <laughs> anymore. Um, no. For what? Do you want to see his petty, like, pout face the whole I've time? I've seen enough. I've uh, seen enough. Does, I don't does see anybody anymore. need more? Like, are you not? <laughs> I, I, <understand. laughs> I don't know. Well, I would Oh, see... maybe we finally could have seen him be a little baby. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I she asked me, uh, what did you think of the inauguration? And I said it was um, pleasantly dull. Like, it was, like, it was really, like, pleasantly, nostalgically, like, dull. So dull, in fact, mm. that the biggest news to come out of this was a Bernie Sanders meme. Like, the, the, the Bernie Sanders sitting with the coat and the mittens became the biggest an story. All-timer. An all-timer. Uh, and, by the way, Bernie Sanders, the legend that he is, uh, started selling sweatshirts featuring a photo that inspired the memes and sent all the proceeds to uh, Meals for Wheels in the home state of Vermont. So... Whoever a fucking real one. That's why the realest dude. I <laughs> just so let me ask you this question: Like, this has got to be an easy win for Bernie, right? Because Bernie, Bernie strikes me as like he's your grandpa, right? He doesn't know he's funny. He's just funny. He's funny because he's funny, right? He's much like people's grandpa. He probably has a better idea of why he's funny than he lets on because he knows him pretending to not get it is part of the funny. But I wonder how this works for like the the people who work for. For Bernie Sanders, like, did they look around and go, guys, we got a meme on our hands? Yeah, of course. Like, that's that's a strange, what a strange time. That's the whole. I, I know. Mean, when you, you start you start getting into you know the, I mean the legitimate because people get paid for in legitimate fields like social media management mm-hmm. and digital marketing and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's a huge part of the people's job is to. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely people on the staff who lean into this kind of stuff and and are there to teach the old man in his seventies when they can capitalize on this thing that he might not be as culturally aware of. 
So Biden has a whole list. Uh, president Joe Biden, pardon me. I should call him the president now. He's just calling him Biden. I guess I got used to calling Trump just Trump, too, right? Like, I got used to just not calling him President Trump, so I guess I got to get used to calling him President Biden. I call, call him Biden. Call him Joe. Uh, old Hanging Joe. Out. Good old Joe. Uh, he's going to spend the second week of his presidency uh, much the same way as his first. Lots of executive actions. Uh, Monday is the Buy America Day, where they're expected to sign an executive order that directs agencies to strengthen requirements so that they acquire goods and services for American businesses and workers. Tuesday will be Equity Day, Wednesday will be Climate Day, Thursday will be Healthcare Day, and Friday will be Immigration Day. So lots of executive orders coming out, executive mm -hmm. actions coming out from Biden this week. Uh, in a lighter story, Joe Biden removed the infamous Diet Coke button from the Oval Office Resolute Desk. Uh, famously, uh, former President Trump had a button on his desk that he would press and a White House butler would soon arrive with a Diet Coke for the president who supposedly drank 12 a day. Mm. Would you have gotten rid of the button? I would have, I would have repurposed the button. May yeah, not yeah, as yeah, a diet. You would have wanted a Coca-Cola button. A regular Coca-Cola Because you, you'd be putting on 12 Coca-Colas a day in the <laughs> yeah. office. Yeah, for, I know you would have. <laughs> um, I would have had my button on the desk be for coffee, and then they would have had to take it away when I was having heart palpitations after a week because I'm having eight cups of coffee a day. I always thought it was a... Uh, a subversion technique or like an intimidation technique because if you walk into the president's office and he just has this red button on the desk on his desk you're just like what does that button do is that like the the button that sets the bombs off is this like the nuclear codes and then he hits it and the diet coke shows up and you're like oh kind of kind of ruins the mysticism of the job right sorry i'm off the aspartame <laughs> sorry i don't do the aspartame anymore uh so there you go no more no more coca-cola button uh, I'm just going to give you this headline uh, about Donald Trump, okay? And you can you can do what you want with it. This is from Vice News. Trump fails to ascend as God Emperor, leaving diehard fans adrift. <laughs> I just like that headline. You can you can read that Vice headline for yourself if you want. Uh, also this week, uh, living vampire Rudy Giuliani was sued uh, for 1.3 billion dollars by the election company Dominion over his massive lie about election fraud. Mm. I'm happy to see this. Not that I want to see, so like, not that I ever want to see, like, I'm not rooting for big-scale election companies either, right? Like, these are all big, giant corporations, but... No, I'm, I'm pretty generally rooting against Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, I'm, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see him. I like the idea that there's some, like, you can't just yell and scream. And, yeah, consequences, yeah, yeah, please, right? Please, Uh And it's funny, too. Like, I don't have anything about Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz, but it's funny to watch them sort of, like try and step back from the edge that they brought themselves to and mm. see how many people uh, will let them back in. Mm -hmm. uh, more than you'd like. More than you'd like. This is sort of the lawsuit section, because also this week in the Law and Order section, uh, conspiracy theorist Alex Jones lost mm. a bid to throw out his defamation cases on the Sandy Hook parents. That's right. The Texas Supreme Court rejected a request from the famed conspiracy theorist, who scares me just by looking at him. He's a scary-looking man. Mm. Uh, dismissed four defamation lawsuits filed by parents of children killed at the Sandy Hook entertain uh, Elementary School. As you know, uh, famously, Alex Jones claimed that this was a hoax, there were crisis actors, that this mm. was a false flag. Uh, so again, consequences. You love to see it. Yeah. Uh, this. <laughs> so this is kind of a consequence. <laughs> you know, we've talked about it before. If the Trump presidency wasn't so consequential, it would have been hilarious. Correct. Like, if it wasn't so objectively evil. Correct. Uh, TV star Joe Exotic uh, from The Tiger King failed to receive a pardon from Donald Trump, even though his team had sent a limo to the prison. 
with a big sign that said like congratulations tiger guy whatever very 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 on brand for the tiger king's crew (laughs) i think maybe you should watch tiger king i don't think i want no i think it's about time i think you do you for you would be deeply fascinated Uh, and it's been enough time that you wouldn't be jumping the trend it's weird though because trump did throw out at least 73 individual pardons and committed sentences Mm. uh this includes steve bannon rapper kodak black uh and then, of course, uh, former Donald Trump lawyer Michael Cohen said earlier this week at MB- uh, MSNBC that he thinks he secretly put in pardons for himself and his kids already. Mm. So I wonder, I don't know if there's any, I don't think there's any proof to that necessarily. Uh, but I, he th- I don't think anyone would be surprised. I would certainly not be surprised, which I think is the ultimate, like, the ultimate damnation of Trump, right? Anything you tell me, I wouldn't be surprised. Be like, mm. oh, did you know that he, like, is going to get his head removed and put on ice so that he can live for 300 Tyson's years? Zone. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. why not? Uh, do we want to talk about the the National Garden of American Heroes? We didn't talk about it last week. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Trump's extensive list of 244 people that he wants to honor as statues in his National Guard of American Heroes. Mm. Uh, I think he's doing this. It's supposed to be like, take that, Blibs. he's doing this. No, he's not, I don't think. Yeah. But I think the idea was like, oh, you, don't, you want to take down statues? I'm going to put up all of these statues, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But then I think the real story was the no, the list made no sense. It was just all, like, a list of people he thought were interesting, mm-hmm. right? It's just Louis Armstrong, Neil Armstrong, Crispus Attucks, Kobe Bryant, like, in that order. <laughs> like, I like all of those people just fine for different reasons, but, uh, but very strange. This felt like if someone gave him a piece of paper and said, we need to kill a couple out. Name as many famous people as you can. Name all the famous people you know. Like, just name any famous... I'd be willing to bet he couldn't name 60% of the people on that list. <laughs> Dr. Seuss? You don't think he knows Dr. Yeah, Seuss? This isn't, this isn't a real thing. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's let's uh, let's move on. We'll say one quick goodbye. Uh, adios to Ajit Pai. You may know Ajit Pai as the former uh, head of the FCC. He's the FCC chairman. Uh, his 12 years as an employee of the agency and four years of chairman uh, as chairman have come to an end. Uh, his FCC Twitter account has been taken down. Uh, he was one of the worst people you could ever think of. Here's a list of just a few of the things that he was responsible for over the last four years. He attempted to kill net neutrality. Uh, he approved the T-Mobile Sprint merger. He released reports that claimed U.S. broadband is fine. Uh, he defended murder of net neutrality in court. He flubbed the Puerto Rican uh, hurricane disaster report. He falsely claimed that killing net neutrality was good for broadband access, and he refused to brief Congress about telecom companies' sales of their customers' phone location data. This is literally half the list of all the things that he did in front of me uh, that are just terrible, horrible things. I usually say, like, uh, adios, but nah, screw this guy. I'm glad Ajit Pai is gone uh, mm. the worst. So there you go. There are some people who we lost this week who uh, we're, not, we're sadder about. Uh, Larry mm. King... Uh, the broadcasting giant died at the age of 87 this week. I think Larry King's a little before my time. Like, I think I understand Larry King more as, like, an idea than, like, ever watching Larry King, necessarily. But I want, you know, that in itself, like, I understand who he is even without ever really watching him because of, like, the the place he held and how much people knew about him and talked about him and how long he was on TV. Yeah. 
So, I don't know. I don't really have a ton. Do you have any thoughts on Larry King? I don't really go much farther than that with uh, him. Larry King Larry King is an interesting guy because he's. I think he feels like... I'm Number one, I was surprised to see he was only 87. Yeah, right. Because he seen... looked 107. <laughs> it's true. Um, and Larry King, I th- I think there were a couple like death hoaxes for Larry King over the years where people were like, oh, Larry King's dead. Oh, no, he's not. Um, Larry King is, is one of the last leftover remnants of the before time. Yes, absolutely. Like a time, That's a, really good point. a time that, you know, not just, you know, when I say you're in the royal sense here, I mean people roughly our age, I guess. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, people yeah. in like, you know, their, their early 30s, even like their late 20s, it'll be something that not only your parents remember, but your grandparents. Um, an yes. artifact of just a different old Hollywood pre- Pre a lot of things, pre even like regular television the way we see it. Um, I just a living artifact and talked to so many people, had so many interesting interviews. Yeah. I don't really have anything to say or a strong opinion about the guy, but it's worth noting what uh, an interesting and incredible story he had. And even a look at the Wikipedia yeah. page, if you're vaguely interested, you would probably get a kick out of it if you're looking for something to read for a few minutes. Uh, this is from the AP News article about it. Uh, famously, uh, he interviewed the assault victim known as the Central Park Jogger. Uh, back in back in his early days, and he also uh, was the place in '92 where billionaire industrialist Ross Perot uh, announced that he would be running for president uh, during that election cycle, and he did that on Larry King's show, mm. which I feel like was like famous like SNL material. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's another SNL type person, right? I feel like they they had a lot of fun at Larry King's behalf over the years. Uh, yeah, interesting guy. Very sad. Again, I did think he was l- older than '87. Uh, another person passed away this week. Hank Aaron mm. uh, passed away earlier this week. There's a really good Ringer article that I'll try and do the quote for that talks about all of the crazy records that he broke that mm-hmm. I didn't really understand. I think people forget because they think just about the home runs. Mm-hmm. But really, what an amazing baseball player and hitter he was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, famously, he broke Babe Ruth's career record for most home runs of 715. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard there's really interesting right up in the Guardian about it that says he knew that he could hit a home run but he wanted to do it at home. So once mm. he tied the number, he like waited two games till he was back home so his parents yeah, could yeah. see it, right? Which is just like that's how good I am. I know that I can just wait it out a couple days and I'll, I'll get it. Uh yeah, one of the best ever what I always think about Hank Aaron and I, I think the thing that sticks with me is just the idea of consistency, right? Famously, Hank Aaron never hit more than 50 home runs ever, like in a season, but constantly hit 20, 30, 40 home runs. And just by being consistent and working hard and going out there every year and giving his best, that was enough to beat the mythical Babe Ruth, right? Mm. The legendary home run hitter. Yeah. And I guess we'll talk about Babe Ruth actually again briefly later on, but uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Hank Aaron? Uh, when I was a kid, I did a book report on a Hank Aaron biography, and it was the first that I had kind of really learned about him. I knew a bit of the name uh, in that way when you're a young kid and you know these names as totems, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I knew a bit of, like, you know, Henry Hank Aaron, all that kind of stuff. And I, But I remember writing the biography and finding it really interesting. I thought he had a cool story. But he's definitely another one of those guys that if you had told me he died 18 years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I remember been gone a long time, all Hank. I'll give so. you I'll give you one thing about Hank Aaron that stood out with me as a kid, and I don't know why this stood out with me. When you go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, which we're going to talk about later on, there's a room specifically for Babe Ruth. Like, there's a whole Babe Ruth-specific room. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense, because Babe Ruth is the, you know, sure. the, the bastion of baseball for a certain era, right? Mm-hmm. Right next to it is a specific Hank Aaron room. And that's it. 
Those are the only two players who got, like, specific single rooms for their accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that was interesting. Like, there's so many other players, but these two guys, Babe Mm. Ruth and Hank Aaron, I always thought that was weird. And maybe things have changed since I've been there a long time. Maybe there's other rooms like that now, but as a kid... Folks dig the long ball. (laughs) Folks do dig the long ball. Uh, All right, let's let's see. All right, we'll do one Diego Maradona big energy before we get to this week's interview. I hope this is the guy that... There's a guy... There's a news story I saw this week that I was like... No. I hope he sees this because this will certainly make the podcast. No, no, I, I, this is a different one. This is about a wife. Uh, a woman identified as Lenora from mm. uh, Sonora, Mexico this week was recently scrolling through her husband's phone mm. when she happened upon a photo that sent her into a fury. Mm. The photo showed her husband posing with a younger woman mm. and incensed, Lenora proceeded to stab her husband mm. with a nearby knife. Mm. Turns out the photo was a photo of her from when they were younger. She did not recognize wow. her younger self. Lenora's husband explains that he had digitalized some older photos of the couple and she didn't recognize herself. She was confused, thought he was cheating on her, and stabbed him and was arrested. Damn. Charges are currently pending. Very silly, but I sort of respect the energy. Even like, are you serious? Just like going. Your first thought was like, oh, I gotta stab him. <laughs> my first, my first immediate thought. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, Diego Maradona Big Energy Award goes to Lenora N. Man from Sonora, Mexico. Man. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break from all that and let's get into this week's interview. Let's bring some light to the show. I love talking to Heather. To uh, and as, as usual, I collected, like, a bunch of stuff to talk to Heather about, which is what I usually do when she gets on here. I come, like, mm-hmm. 10 or 12 things I want to chat her up. And then we'll get off track and whatever. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that I'll have a great time talking to Heather and checking in with her. Mm-hmm. It's been long enough. Our, uh, our exiled co-host. Exiled is the wrong word. What's the word for... Mm-hmm. What would you call her? She's adrift of the show? Like, she's uh, mm-hmm. she's on hiatus? Yeah, hiatus. Uh, I mean, hiatus is better than exiled or adrift. Yeah. Adrift, yeah. I think so. I'll give it some thought in the break, and then we'll right, come back from the interview. I'll, I'll tell you where she is. You Either way, here is one of our favorites of all time. Heather Watts. You know, it's funny. You I didn't have, dress up today. No, neither did I. You have uh, sunglasses in your hair that people can't see. And I thought you dyed your hair green for a second. I was like, did you put green streaks in your hair? And I was like, oh, it's just the sunglasses. It, it doesn't matter. I'm not. I'm still not doing anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, funny enough, I asked you to send me... Um, we're recording, by the way. I, uh, I asked you to send me the email address. And... Then not only did I not send you the Zoom link at all, because you were like, I don't see the Zoom link. I was like, oh, I didn't send it at all. I already had your email address oh. like, saved in my computer, so I apologize. Oh. That's where my brain is today. That's okay. Uh, welcome back, though, to our good friend Heather Waz, our co-host uh, from the other side. 
She's from the yeah, like from a year ago. <laughs> I think it's been a, almost a year since I've been on. Has it been so a year now? The last time February you were, a year March February. March yeah February. another March yeah uh, mm-hmm. f- uh, uh, twenty two seventy seven episode two seventy seven so about twelve weeks ago is the last time we spoke to you and I figured it's been long enough. We want to see how you yeah. Were uh, and last time we talked to you, before we get into any of the stuff I have for you, um, we talked a little bit about Mohawk Valley, uh, Little Explorers. How's that been going for you so far since last Good. time we spoke? Um, we, well, we, like we were doing, we were testing how people would react to it. And um, it's been awesome. The uh, response has been great. People message us about gear for kids and places to hike and things to do. So I've been busy with that. And it's at least like once a week we are getting questions from people and emails. So um, now we're ready to move on to the second part, which is making the website so that there's a place where you can actually go in, like look for trails that are suitable for, you know, two and four and five and six and um, what gear to use during different seasons and places to go locally. So now we'll have like a database that that can all go in. Um, Right now it's just all on Facebook and Instagram. But I didn't want to go ahead and start making a website until I knew exactly how everybody was going to start kind of reacting to it on social media. And so once I was hearing the questions people were asking me and things people were looking for, then it made it easier to to go to the next step since I have time to plan. (laughs) And the response has been mostly positive, you would say, so far? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. It's been good. So, you know, I always... I always laugh, you know, because kids, uh, it's, the, it's always the joke that kids rebel against like whatever their parents like, right? Like, yeah. until they get older. Like my parents loved the Beatles when I was a kid. I was like, oh, this is kind of lame. And then as I get older, I'm like, oh, I actually kind of like this. I'm looking forward to the period of time when Kaz decides he doesn't like being outdoors and going hiking just to spite you. It's only, no, it won't be forever because you've already ingrained it into his brain that he likes it. Yeah. But there's going to be yeah. at least a couple year period where he's like, oh, I don't want to go I'm never going to see that, Sam. It's never going to happen. Like, he's going to want to ski with me all the time and hang out with me, and it's going to be fine. Those days mm-hmm. will never happen. I don't foresee them. So, I'm, I'm sure we talked about this last time, last time you were on. How, uh, how is Kaz, how are you responding, and how's Kaz responding to quarantine parenting? Um, I think Kaz is, or, so for the longest time, Kaz never wanted to leave the house. He didn't want to go to kindergarten. None of that. And now I said, mentioned kindergarten to him and he's like, has not said he does not want to go. Like, I think he's over it. He's over the idea of wearing masks when he's out. I mean, he does it, but he's just ready. Like he's been ready. He doesn't see a lot of any kids right now, really. Um, so he's really ready to just I mean, go to school and I'm ready to send him on his way. <laughs> Well, you know, that's the funny thing too. I think, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm an introvert, right? Like I, I don't always love to be out in public, out of the bars, out partying. Yeah. And even, and even me, I'm kind of like, oh, it would be dope to just take a swing down to the green onion and have a drink just because yeah. just, just to do something, right. To do anything. Yeah. And, and not I, think about it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing I talked about it last week with Kevin, you know, I, I, I play video games here and there and I've been playing a lot recently because I've been sitting around the house. And I can't even enjoy it because I feel like it's a waste of time. Like I feel like I, I can't. I'm like overthinking the things that I'm doing because I have too much time on my hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like why am I not doing more? 
I'm over, but I am over cleaning and cooking and all those housewife kind of things. Your house probably looks beautiful. Uh, that's next on my list. I have to do some cleaning today. I have to vacuum and I have to, well, I have to do the, the dusting as well. Yeah, you would think my house looks good, but we spend more time playing outside. So there's gear all over the living room, the hallway. Um, there's just um, stuff all over the place because we spend more time outside than we do inside. Uh, so. Yeah, I've noticed my biggest thing now is I'm getting quarantine fatigue is, yeah. uh, is I've turned my concerns inward, right? Like, I, I'm sure you can't tell. Like, I feel like I'm going bald in the front here. I'm not like totally going bald. Like I've always been kind of going bald in the front here that people can't see this. People can't see, I can see it. You can see it. People on the radio can't hear me talk about like my balding spot. So for the first time in my life over the last couple like weeks, I've thought about like should I sign up for one of these like keeps services where they send me like keeping your hair stuff your hair doesn't look like it's falling out you, as you said it you decided that it it's looks not a true. Little, it looks a little it's like thin. over here I'm telling you I got, I'm gonna be George Costanza in like two years it's stress it's from being it stuck is. in the house exactly. you're like analyzing your whole whole your whole mind and body now because you're home all the time you're like wait do I is, am I dying? What's well, does, Zach doesn't do this. Zach doesn't worry about well, Zach dying, and well, Zach has no hair anymore. But um, <laughs> but he he's got something wrong every week now. So, but he also turned forty one. So he's just he's just old now. Well, so. he's married and has a child. I still have to go out and impress people in the world. I have to. Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> I have to. Like, I have to meet people and be impressive when I go out. Well, theoretically, that's the other thing. You still have to try. I still have to try when I go out. I, it's gonna be such a it's gonna be such a nightmare when I have to go back to like wearing regular pants on like a day to day basis, like wearing like dress shirt and jeans to go out to yeah. work. I'm gonna hate it so much. No, I don't even. I haven't put on jeans in forever. I'm like wearing like like long johns right now. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not dressing up. <laughs> I've, uh, given, I've given up. What is something that you feel like? you've engaged in a lot during this quarantine that you didn't always was there anything you've like sort of learned or trying to got into during this period that you never did before I feel like Kevin would be proud of me because I've started cooking more oh like really I'm paying attention to what I'm doing so like I feel like I wish I would did this before because then I could actually talk to Kevin before about cooking because he's good at it but like I've bought a lot of new appliances. I got a KitchenAid and I'm oh. making things now. Yeah. Like I'm cooking. So I think that if I've gotten anything, it's I actually, because we don't do takeout really. Yeah. Um, is I've learned how to cook better or at least try. Well, I so. just got, we got the, the air fryer for Christmas. Oh. And, um, you know, I always used to like believe the Alton Brown theory that you should never own anything in your house that is a, single task item like you I mean like if it only does one thing i don't want it. so i was like i don't want to air this thing taking up just one big space on my counter but it's yeah it's actually become sort of like i don't have a microwave so it's become like my accidental mic like i'll heat up like cold pizza or a muffin yeah. or whatever and i'm like wow this is such this is great i love this thing yeah. so i've totally committed to the cult of the air fryer I'm sure the instant pot is next, like some somewhere along oh, the way. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. It's about, I have an instant pot now. I have, oh, we got an, well, in quarantine, our washer went, our refrigerator went, oh, and our stove went. 
So we just got a new stove. We went like three weeks without a stove. We were cooking on a hot plate. Um, and our new stove has an air fryer in it. So there we have an air fryer. We have a, we have all this new stuff now. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm cooking. I, I, I hope to bring you something one day. Nothing. I mean, it doesn't, he's good. <laughs> it's getting there. <laughs> Nothing is worse than having to get your refrigerator replaced. There's no refrigerator, Sam. You should see this thing. It has wired shelves in there. Like, like you would have in like an old apartment you would get or something in college. Um, it's horrible. Horrible. I used to have one of those uh, when, when me and Kevin were living in our first apartment years ago in on Thomas Street in Utica. We had one of those old fridges that looked like it was in the 50s. You had to like mm -hmm. open a hole yeah. to open the door. It was mad heavy. Oh my yeah. God. I, I always think about that now. I've never had a refrigerator in my entire life that made ice for me. That's how I'll know when I finally made it, when I can walk up to my refrigerator and hold out a cup and it will just give me ice. Every day of my entire yeah. life. That's all I'm asking for. That's That'll be the That's moment. Not. It's not too <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> Yeah, so this fridge is ugly, but we're, so, or no one listening who wants to buy our house, but we're putting in some new flooring and stuff. We're planning mm -hmm. to sell the house this, um, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, will hang are you frozen? No, I see it. No, you're still here. I still got you. You're fine. Oh, oh did I lose you? Am I? I don't know. Did I lose you? I don't. I'm here. <laughs> I've been marked down this time at 418. Okay, there we are. I still got you. I still got you. Uh, all right. So last time we spoke, it was the end of 2020. Uh, now that we are the week after the Joe Biden inauguration. I asked Kevin this question earlier and we had a bit of a discussion about it. How's your mental health going into 2021? Are you feeling better now that uh, um, Donald Trump isn't a daily part of your life? Well, I do. We were in, I was in the car the other day and I like turned on music. I actually was singing and dancing. I guess I've, I'm still nervous about some things, but I'm sure. happy. That I feel like somebody has my back, like that someone care, genuinely cares about what's going on and the people that are being affected by everything that's going on. So that is nice to know. Now it's kind of like a waiting game. You know, yes. I want this vaccine to like get here in my arm so fast so I can just move on. But I feel a sense, a small sense of calm. Um, so I, I feel a little, I feel better for sure. Yeah. Trump's gone. I, See ya. <laughs> I, was telling him, I was telling him, I have a certain sense of, I feel like I'm not held hostage by the news, right? Like yeah. when, when, when he was, when Trump was in office, it felt like every minute you were always like a second away from some like offensive statement or some like controversial like concept or something. You, you're never sure what was going to get like tossed at you yeah. in any particular second. And I, I was even talking about the inauguration about how it was like refreshingly dull and straightforward. I was like, I can't believe how regular this was. It's kind of nice. No, <laughs> it's, it's nice. I have to turn on my new, refresh my news like at six o'clock in the morning or in the afternoon, wondering what terrible things about to happen. Like now I'm just like, oh, it's just back like it used to be. Like, oh, I don't listen to press conferences. I'm not trying to like figure out what's going on because or what I'm going to have to do to save my family or something. Yeah. <laughs> or is there going to be a war or what the hell? 
So. Well, yeah, I think that's that's a big part of it too, right? Like now it seems like the priorities go back to where they should have been, which is like, how do we get out of this pandemic? Which feels like it should have always been the the main priority in the first place, right? Like, yeah. and I just, I, I know everyone's ready. And that's like the thing that drives me nuts when there's like debates about this, about like, oh, wear the mask, don't wear the mask, get the vaccine, get the, it's not like the people who, wear the mask and want to get the vaccine are happy to be just sitting around home while the economy falls apart and we don't have jobs like that's not the reality mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean like I think yeah no you, this is not what I've been wanting to do with my life <laughs> the whole year I'm gonna turn 40 in quarantine and social distance world my sister's gonna have a second birthday in so you know in this stuck yeah. at home kind of thing I mean I don't want everybody out there to think that I've been sitting in my house just doing nothing and we we're playing around and having fun but still at the same time it's I'm overwhelmed like I'm just I want this shot and I want to just see my friends and hug people and get going <laughs> so have you been have you been so. at least like going out skiing or anything or doing any like hiking oh places? yeah I go skiing we go uh cross-country skiing um skate skiing all sorts of hiking sledding you know all of that so, and Kaz does have a few friends that he can, he, that he does get to see, which is nice. Um, but that's gonna, probably about it right now. I'm going to test your skills. I pulled up this list. This is from amnewyork.com before you got here. And these were some of the family-friendly ski resorts in upstate New York. So I'm going to hit you with the, the resort. You tell me if you've ever heard of it or if you've been there, okay? Okay. Have you ever been to the Kish, uh, Kissing Bridge Snow Sports in Glenwood, New York? No, sounds terrible. <laughs> about Thunder Ridge ski area in Patterson? I've heard of no. So you're supposed to be you're supposed to be my guy on this. I'm a here's a I'm a snob. You finish yours and I'll tell you what I do. All right. How about Hunt Hollow Ski Club in Naples, New York? Where are you finding these? This is from New York. This is how about, oh, Ma- how about Maple Ski Ridge in Schenectady? Okay, yes, Maple Ski Ridge. <laughs> I'm just going to say, you're like mad at me for coming up with these lists. I am. I'm mad. Like, how could you put these on there and not put the ones I do go to? <laughs> uh, you ever been to, how about Oak Mountain Ski, uh, Ski yes. Center and Speculator? I actually yeah, really like Speculator New York. Yeah, I did a little article on it on my Mohawk Valley Young Explorers for that place, for that area. Speculator haunts me because we played a show in Speculator when we were kids, uh, me and Kevin and the band. And that's always what I ever think of. Like, we were there and it got... I want to say it was either that or Tupper Lake. We got snowed out like on the way that like, we were driving there and it was a mm-hmm. snowstorm. And by the time we got there, there was nobody at the bar because it was obviously like yeah. a blizzard. So like what a waste. Yep. Uh, how about, here's one from Cortland. You ever been to Greek Peak Mountain Greek Resort? Peak. Yeah, Greek Peak. What, what's your number one go-to? Like where do you tend to go when you want to pick? I go to Macaulay Mountain a lot. A lot of people go That's all over to go that little mountain because it's the smallest mountain with the biggest incline. So it's got like, a, like the most aggressive skiing and, but it's a tiny mountain. So it's a great mountain to go to. And then of course, Whiteface, uh, Gore, um, those are like the three that we some, really go to. As good. somebody who doesn't really ski, Gore Mountain is the name that rings the closest to me is like a thing that people talked about when I was a kid. Oh, we're going up to Gore for the weekend or we're going up to, I guess, I guess Macaulay kind of in that same, Macaulay and Gore are the ones I remember na- hearing around there i mean i i can't ski i'm a terrible skier i've done the cross country i can't control myself i fall over i have no like body control it's just it's just not the way it goes for me (laughs) 
Yeah. But how do you pick your thing? Do you just look up like do you have like we a- go well, we follow where the snow is gonna fall. We like to oh. we're we're glaciers, so we wanna go ski in the woods. And to be able to ski in the woods, you need to have no snow's made for the woods. The snow's made for on the main trails, but not in the woods. So we ski in the glades. So we're always looking to where snow's falling. But the problem with the pandemic this year is all ticket, we have season passes for Macaulay, so we're set. But Gore, Whiteface, and all that, you have to order online. They're selling out on the weekends. Like you can't, people are buying out all the tickets. So you, it's not like it used to be where you could be like, oh, let's, all the snow fell in Gore. Let's drive out to Gore this weekend. It's just, it's not like that. So it's definitely different. What would you say is your favorite one of these places to go to if you're just trying to kick back? If you're a guy like me who's less interested in the skiing and more interested in just sort of taking in the ski culture. Macaulay. It's more fun. It's more, you, it's like you're, when you go in there, it's like talking to locals when you talk to the bartender and the guy at the chairlift and you sit there and you have a drink with them. You sit by the fire and everybody, you always run into somebody, you know, too. So you're always like, there's always, you're always having random conversations every weekend and you're seeing people, but again, you can't go into the lodge anymore to get ready. You have to get ready in your car now. So (laughs) that's not happening this year. The best part is going there and having drinks, seeing friends and like hanging out afterwards. And Right now you're getting crammed in your car, putting ski gear on, skiing, and then getting back in your car. So it's like, bleh. <laughs> uh, Heather, where can, uh, where can people, again, reach out if they want to get a hold of Mohawk Valley Little Explorers or keep in touch with you during this period? We're, uh, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, all those things? Instagram and Facebook right now, um, they can message us through there, which is great. We get lots of messages right now. I'll keep myself busy. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish I had more exciting things to tell you going on. Yeah, I mean, Sorry, this, guys. this is the world we live in. This, this is what we have. Uh, I know. I want to tell you something cool. Uh, all right. Give me one, uh, before we head out, though, give me one uh, book, album, movie, or television show that you and Zach are currently reading, listening to, or watching at the house. Okay. There's a couple. Um, the Undoing is one. Where did my book go? I'm reading this book called... Um, well, The Undoing, have you seen that on HBO? I've heard people talking about it. I have not yet watched it. I love it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Watch it. Um, undoing. Yes. What's it about? Yeah, so sorry. Uh, Sounds like some crime. It. It's hard to explain. Just watch it. Okay. You'll right. like it. Um, and I love Nicole Kidman in it. She's fantastic. She's good at everything. Um, and then there was, she's great in this though. She's, she's, she's great. And then there's another one. Um, Oh God, I can't think. But there's a new Buddhist book I'm reading. Don't laugh. Oh, you're it's in a Buddhist. How to um, don't just, don't take it personally. <laughs> but it's just that I'm trying to find ways to stay calm through all of this. And sometimes time just kind of stands still a little bit. Like we're just like getting through it, and every day is the same repetitive thing. So I was trying to find ways just to mentally deal with it, but try to enjoy going through this process. I guess. Um, it works a little. <laughs> it helps for a little bit. So. Uh, and last but not least, give me uh, what's the first thing, person, place, whatever. First thing you'd like to do once we get back to some semblance of reality. Is there a place you want to go, or a person you want to see, or something you'd like to do once we get back to the normal world we lived in? Honestly, I just want to like go back to like Nail Creek and just sit there and have a beer and watch people walk in that I know and give them hugs and be like, just kind of like, like a reunion almost just, that's kind of like the central place for me to go. I feel like that's where I'd want to go. And I'd want to go to this place 
called um, Pratsy's so I can eat an elk burger because they're so good. <laughs> so there's like that. But no, I love to go to Nail Creek and just be sitting there at the bar and just see random people come in that I haven't seen in a long time and be like, what's up? Give me a hug. <laughs> I haven't seen you in forever. So, I mean, I the- there's nothing like creepy I want. <laughs> just see people and say hi. It's not creepy. So. I just want to randomly hug strangers again. That's not creepy at all. I just want to hug. People. I will. I will do that. I will. <laughs> Uh, otherwise we miss you we love you we hope you're doing okay over there give your best to Gaz and Zach I hope they're doing good Uh, and again hopefully in three more months when I check in with you we'll be in a different place hopefully so that's Kaz's hand waving to you hi Kaz (laughs) I see his hand (laughs) you want to say hi real quick to Sam before he goes all right he already said hi he said so so well going all right sam tell kevin i said hi and i I miss you guys i need you to send me a photo for the website so don't forget okay i swear i don't want to pick it i feel bad picking out of your stuff so you send me i'll send it i'll send you something all right we love you all right again we appreciate you we'll talk to you soon all right bye bye kaz Again, yes. Heather Waz turning from walkabout. I don't know. I can't come up with the term. Uh, all right, you want to do some mystery lessons? Get no, them out of the way here? I don't hit I'm me. Sorry. <laughs> I don't hit me with them. <laughs> On this day, 1776, the Continental Congress authorized the very first National Revolutionary War Memorial in order of Brigadier General Richard Montgomery, who had been killed during an assault on Quebec. Mm. Uh, on December 31st, 1775. Uh, Along with Benedict Arnold, uh, Montgomery left a two-pronged invasion of Canada in late 1775. Before joining Arnold in Quebec, Montgomery successfully took Montreal, but the Patriot assault on Quebec failed, and Montgomery became one of the first generals of the American Revolution to lose his life on the battlefield. When word of his death reached Pennsylvania, Congress voted to create a monument to his memory and entrusted Ben Franklin to secure one of France's best artists to craft it. Uh, he hired King Louis' personal sculptor, Jean-Jacques Caffieri, to design and build the monument. Upon its completion in 1778, the Montgomery Memorial was shipped to America and arrived at Eddington, North Carolina, where it remained for several years. Although originally intended for Independence Hall in Philadelphia, Congress decided to place the monument in New York City. Uh, in 1788, it was installed under the direction of the I'm sorry, it was installed beneath the portico of St. Paul's Cathedral, which served as uh, George Washington's church during his time as U.S. president in uh, in 1789. And today, that's where the statue remains. You can still go see the statue of Richard Montgomery out in front of St. Paul's Chapel in New York. Uh, Kev, if someone was building a monument to you, I'm going to build a Kevin Sullivan monument. Right. Would you want a statue of you? Or would you want, like, a more vague concept, like the Washington Monument isn't, like, doesn't look like George Washington? Um, in, in seriousness, I always thought it would be a life dream, probably in a different life, to have a library named after me. A library. So, like, yeah. a li- like a majestic, old, something like mm-hmm. the Utica mm-hmm. Public Library would have it named after you. If they are to build a statue, I have two requests. 
Um, it has to be at least at least 100 feet tall because I want it to be you know accurate to life size, and I want it to be put underwater but not released where it is, mm. so people mm. just stumble upon this statue of me reaching up from the depths when they're like scuba diving. I would. Those, like, these are my requests. I would prefer. Uh, I think yeah, I would prefer like similar like you said like a library. Mm. I would prefer like an art maybe piece. a park. Yeah, maybe an art piece in my name. Like, I'd want some artist to do a piece of art, and you could, you know, like, here's a big geometric shape or something, right? Mm. The, the the sand block or something. I'll paint you a geometric shape. Uh, I, on a comical note, I would like a recreation of the Beatles walking across Abbey Road, except I want the four people to be me, Jurgen Klopp, uh, Rod Serling, and Godzilla. Those are the four. <laughs> just in that order. Mm. Just walk, I guess maybe David Lynch in for Godzilla, if that's too much of a pain. And that'll be the statue. Just the four of us walking across Abbey Road, uh, smoking cigarettes. That'll be, that'll be my see. statue. Yeah. Uh, no, I, no, all things considered, I do think most of the monuments that I've seen, like the DC monuments, mm. like the Washington Monument is cool. It's not as cool as the Lincoln Memorial. No, he's got Lincoln sitting in the chair. Like, even the, the Thomas whole Jeff- damn building, yeah. the Jefferson Memorial, the Jefferson Rotunda is awesome. Mm. Like think of what you will about Thomas Jefferson. But I'd love big- to go down to DC and oh, check out so cool, some dude. of the various different stuff. One of the uh, I've never been. I've never been to Washington DC besides yeah. driving like through it, going somewhere else. We'll put it on the list of uh, of stuff to do once the world opens back up. Oh, that'd be good. Because uh, I've been a million times. It's a lot of fun. I was supposed I like to DC. go this past summer. Yeah, great. But you know, pandemic being what it was, museums are free, man. You can just walk into the museums. Wild. What a world we live in. <laughs> On this day, 1788, uh, Captain Arthur Phillip guided a fleet of 11 British ships carrying convicts to the colony of New South Wales, effectively founding what today we call Australia. That was good, right? Australia. Yeah. Right. No? I, you're just, it's like New Zealand. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> After overcoming a period of hardship, the fledgling colony began to celebrate the anniversary of this date with great fanfare, and it eventually became uh, commemorated as, as Australia Day. In recent times, it's become increasingly controversial, as it marks the start of where the continent's indigenous people were gradually dispossessed of their land as white colonization spread across the country. God, that sounds like something. Sounds Quite a bit. Like, what does it sound like? Quite a bit. What Sounds about like? white. Uh, <laughs> Australia, once known as New South Wales, was originally planned as a penal colony that's like famously known by people. In October 1786, the British government appointed Arthur Phillip, captain of the HMS Sirius, to establish an agricultural work camp there for British convicts. Uh, with little idea of what he could expect from the mysterious and distant land, Philip had great difficulty assembling the first fleet that was to make the journey. He was both poorly funded and poorly outfitted. Mm. Nonetheless, Philip led his 1,000-strong party, many of whom, uh, 700 or more, were convicts, uh, around Africa to the east side of Australia. In all, the voyage lasted eight months, claiming the lives of some 30 men. Uh, first years were nearly disastrous, poor soil, unfamiliar climate, workers who were ignorant of the farming techniques... There was great difficulty keeping the men alive. However, Philip proved to be a tough uh, but fair-minded leader, uh, preserved by appointing convicts to positions of responsibility and oversight. Mm. Yes, he did flog a lot of people, and hangings were commonplace, but so was egalitarianism. Uh, As Philip said before leaving England, in a new country there will be no slavery and hence no slaves. So he was anti-slavery, but he would flog you or hang you. 
So, what it, don't come tell me that you're anti-slavery as your agricultural work kit <laughs> when you're torturing people. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, Though Philip returned to England in 1792, the colony became prosperous by the turn of the 19th century. Uh, feeling a new sense of patriotism, the men began to rally around January 26th as this founding day, which again became Australia Day. Uh, however, uh, it's became... I'm oh, sorry. In 1818, January 26th became an official holiday, marking the 30th anniversary of the British settlement in Australia. Mm. As Australia became a sovereign nation, it became the national holiday known as Australian Day. However, many Aboriginal Australians refer to it as Invasion Day. Mm. So, again, all sounds very familiar. Quite a bit. You know, that's like a wild part of history that I don't think we I think gets undertaught in schools a little bit. And I, I think it just it gets rushed over. It's just all the colonialism just colonialism in general like just the broad because it's so it's much not even, here's the thing it's not even that it gets brushed over but it's more of kind of a whitewashing you know what i mean it's like oh well you know the british went to india and made friends with the maharash and it's like well, <laughs> hey, not, that's not how it works it's not exactly yeah not exactly the british india trading company well how much of it is just simply people being like well the ends justify the means yeah it's terrible what we did to the native americans but we're here now we have america we have Netflix and cable TV and McDonald's. I, right? I, could, I could see where that would be a tempting answer to uh, the more simple-minded who who likes easy answers, yeah. neat and tidy, black and white answers mm-hmm. to complex grayscale problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that come out of somebody's yeah. mouth. That's not probably a person whose intellect I would fully respect without some more vetting of that yeah. stance. Uh, on this day, 1905, the world's largest diamond... Uh, it was found 18... The Hope Diamond. Uh, they got a different one? That's is this the Hope Diamond? I, know. I don't know. No, no, this is the... These are the ones that are in the British Crown and Scepter. Mm. Uh, so... Also, they found the diamond in Britain? It's <laughs> funny you mentioned. Because they're, they're on the British Crown and in the Britain Scepter and locked up in the Tower of London, so I assume they found these diamonds in Britain. Uh, they did not. A funny didn't. story. Uh, funny story about Wales? That. No, not Wales. Scotland? Either. No, you wonder where. Damn. It was a bloody diamond for sure. Uh, mm. The diamond was 18 feet below the Earth's surface. Uh, it was a 3,106 carat diamond mm. weighing 1.33 pounds. It was christened the Cullinan, C-U-L-L-I-N-A-N, the largest diamond ever found. This discovery presented. Uh, the discovery was presented the same afternoon to to to, uh, to Sir Thomas Cullinan, which is where it got the name. They yeah. gave it to Thomas Cullinan. Uh, Cullinan sold the diamonds to the Transvaal provincial government, which presented the stone to Britain's King Edward VII mm-hmm. as a birthday gift. Oh yeah, by the way, we got you this, this fucking hey, hey, we got you this diamond. It's one point three pounds. It's a million dollars. Yeah, uh, where the diamond might get stolen in transit, because of course, why wouldn't it? Right. Uh, Edward arranged to send a phony diamond aboard a steamer ship loaded with detectives as a diversionary tactic. <laughs> well, the decoy slowly made its way from Africa to the ship. Uh, the Callahan was sent to England in a plain box. Uh, Edward entrusted the cutting of the Callahan to a man named Joseph Asher, who was head of the Asher Diamond Company in Amsterdam. Mm. He had famously cut the Excelsior Diamond in 1893 uh, and studied the stone for six months before attempting to make the cut. Mm. On his very first attempt, the blade broke and nothing happened to the diamond. On the second attempt, the diamond shattered exactly as he had planned uh, Asher then fainted from his nervous exhaustion. Because, <laughs> uh, it was later cut into nine large stones and about a hundred smaller ones, valuing it about a millions, uh, valued at millions of dollars all told. The largest, called the Star of Africa, is at 530 carats. 
uh, the second largest stone of Africa too. Both of these stones are in display in the Tower of London <laughs> with Britain's other jewel collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Callahan one is mounted into the British sovereign royal scepter, and the Callahan two sits in the imperial state crown. Uh, we talked about art a couple weeks ago. Like I don't understand how cards and art have value. Mm. Diamonds kind of the same thing, right? Like we gave them intrinsic value. Like we, who decided that diamonds were worth this much? The De Beers company. The De Beers company, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So much like anything else, much like art, much <laughs> it's like a lot of this value is something we've created for ourselves. Like it's all like it's not real. Well, I mean, if you want to start getting really like you know two a.m. in the dorm room with it, I mean, not money's not real either. Everything no, it's is true. stuff that we just ascribe value to. Um, but yeah, specific, I mean, specifically diamonds is, is a, is a marketing ploy from the De Beers company, like yeah. specifically driving mm-hmm. the price. The thing about diamonds is they're not really specifically that rare. There's a right. lot of other gemstones that are a lot more rare. And I think gemstones are, are super interesting. And like, you know, people who go rock finding and breaking open old rocks, love all that stuff. I think it's really cool. I just think the diamonds are like a little overrated. You know, it's funny, when I was a kid, I used to go to, I used to visit my sister in New York on 1315, all those mm-hmm. ages up there, and we used to go to the Museum of Natural History all the time. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. I used to do the dinosaurs, I do all the history stuff, I do all, like, the, you know, Native American stuff, and I would always skip, like, the geodes and the rock section. Mm. And I was like, I don't, I don't care about oh, this, no way, right? Man. As I get older, and maybe it's just because that's the section of the museum I've spent the least amount of time in, like, historically, mm. whenever I'm there, I'm just like, oh, man, look at all this stuff. Look at all this basalt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Because I think you get, I think if it's not something you would pay attention to when you're younger, it takes until you get older to get a context of like, okay, if I'm looking at this giant geode, the only way this can exist is for it to be just astronomically old and there's only one way, like this is an ancient remnant from like the before time, not even in our society, not even for our species on our planet before the universe. Once you start to understand that context, I think stuff like that is a lot cooler. Uh, I just think I have a, a hard, like, I'm still angry at geology for making me do the rock test when I was a kid, where you go to high school and you gotta look at all the rocks and determine which one's what just by oh, looking at them. amazing. I hated it. Oh, I loved it. Too much nuance. I didn't understand the difference between, I understand, like, the general idea. Mm-hmm. Sedimentary, metamorphic, you know, uh, volcanic, igneous, whatever you want to call it, right? I understand the concepts, but you couldn't. I'm not going to, like, sit there scratching a rock and be like, I think it's granite. I don't know. I, You're talking to a person that's brought home rocks from vacation in the last calendar 12 months. They got fossils in them? No. Well, I don't talk about that. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> on this no. day. On this day. A Luddite. <laughs> on this day, 1936, uh, the U.S. Baseball Hall of Fame elected its very first members to the Cooperstown, New York Museum. This group included Ty Cobb. Honus Wagner, Christy Mathewson, Walter Johnson, and Babe Ruth. Mm. Uh, today, with approximately 350,000 visitors per year, well, in normal times, Hall of Fame continues to be the hub of all things baseball. My question for you, Kev, we've talked a lot about the Hall of Fame. Yes. Which of these five guys was the controversial one in 1936? Who was 1936. out? 1936. Okay. Is there, It's got to be Ruth, right? Would them give me the five again? So it's Ty Cobb, mm-hmm. Babe Ruth, Honus Wagner, Christy Mathewson, Walter Johnson. Mm. I'm going to assume that if anything, people were like anything they were today, Babe Ruth was the one that were like, he's not really playing the game the right way. Those home runs are ruining the game. You know what I mean? feel like Ty Cobb was the controversial one because nobody ever liked that guy. I think he's controversial now. Huh. Like, now he's controversial. I don't think he was necessarily, I don't know if he was controversial in 1936. I think people didn't like him. He was like a jerk. He's a dickhead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
See, I feel like there's a little bit of the Babe Ruth, like, Steph, Steph Curry ruined the game with three-pointers aspect. Like, was there a person in 1936 who was like, this Ruth doesn't play the game the right way. He's just trying to hit home runs. He's a bum. Right? I, that guy existed in 1936, right? Mm, I'm sure he did. Yeah. I'm, I'm just sure he did. Uh, Christy Mathewson, by the way, was a had more wins than any pitcher in National League history at the time. And Walter Johnson was considered one of the most powerful pitchers to have ever taken the mound, in case you're curious about those other names. Because mm. I feel like people know Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth, and people know Honus Wagner simply because the card, the card right? The most expensive card. But, yeah. All right, and then on this day, 2005, a Wichita, Kansas television station receives a postcard from the BTK killer that leads police to discover a post-toasty cereal box that he has altered to contain the letters <coughs> BTK. This communication was one in a long line sent by the serial killer who terrorized Wichita for over 30 years. <coughs> Pardon me. Whew. Brutally murdering 10 people and taunting law enforcement and the local media. A month later, on February 2015, uh, sorry, uh, February 25th of 2005, Dennis Lynn Rader, uh, a husband, father of two, and compliance officer in Park City, Kansas, was taken into custody and soon confessed to being the BTK killer. What is it with the three names, the serial killers? Uh, the reason they do it is to give more further identifying detail to specifically, because like if your name is, you know, if your name Dennis is Rader. Dennis Rader yeah. and you're not yeah. the BTK, you're like, well, I'm Dennis G. Rader, <laughs> Dennis G. Dennis Rader. K. Rader. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of times they'll put the middle name out there too, just to really, really hone in on the specific of who this person is. Uh, BTK committed his first uh, murders in 1974, strangled four members of one family. Uh, throughout the 1970s, BTK Killer, or BTK Strangler, uh, sent letters to the media in which he claimed knowledge of his crimes. Mm. He, nicked him, he nicknamed himself BTK for his method of binding, torturing, and killing his victims. Very dark. Did you watch Mindhunter? No, no. You gotta watch Mindhunter. I know. Is that about BTK? Uh, so they use BTK as, like, the cut scenes. Hmm. So they don't actually interact with BTK, but they're kind of right. building up to it, and they use him as the cut scenes yeah. to give context of what this guy was doing at the time that these FBI guys were looking at like other stuff. So it's not really about him, but he lurks on the fringes of the show the whole time without them ever like addressing him. It's not really for, interesting, but it's a great show. You know, not for nothing, when I did this history lesson today, there were three different serial killer ones from this week alone. Mm. It was also the Charles Manson week, and there's also mm. something else. And I was like, I guess we'll do this one because we haven't talked about BTK before, I don't yeah, think. Yeah. Uh, Raider was a Cub Scout troop leader and mm -hmm. con uh, and church council president who appeared Man. to be an ordinary upstanding. That's the the crazy part. Like we just watched that Night Stalker doc, right? Mm -hmm. And Richard Ramirez, captivating, but doesn't seem like a normal dude. In any Everybody particular. saw him from two blocks down the street. They're like, oh, here comes a bad. Here man. comes a baddest yeah, yeah. dude, right? Like yeah. to have a family and to hide the crimes from like your wife or your kids or whether the, you know, like that is mm. a deep level of insidious that I find very unsettling. Like to keep. My my secret evil is so dark. There's yeah, all, and all that stuff. The BTK it makes me you know underscore Mindhunter again, not to beat it to death because that's yeah. some of the stuff they cover. But also the BTK was an inspiration for a great novella by Stephen King called A Good Marriage. Mm -hmm. His compilation book, Full Dark No Stars, and that is kind of the story. Is like what happens when you find out that this person, like in your family, who you mm -hmm. thought was a regular like nice person, is also a monster. Uh, in 2004, the attention-seeking BTK killer began contacting media again, sending notes and poems and packages that included some of his victims' jewelries and driver's licenses. In February of 2005, BTK sent a floppy disk 
containing a BTK letter to a TV station. Mm -hmm. This disc was eventually traced back to Raider's church computer, and he was identified. DNA evidence helped conclusively link him to the crimes. He was charged with 10 counts of murder. He initially pled not guilty, then switched his plea to guilty before the court trial began. Uh, In a real dark matter, he stalked many of his victims and referred to them as, quote, projects. My new project I'm working on. Mm. Terrible. Uh, I only brought this one up really because well because people love serial killer stuff, but also I just watched that we just watched that Night Stalker documentary on Netflix. Um, do you prefer? And I was talking to, to GFOP Justin about this. Do you prefer uh, a serial killer one that's solved or unsolved? Like Zodiac, we watch as a movie, I know, but that doesn't have an ending, so there's like a little bit of open question, like oh, what happened with the Zodiac? Or do you prefer something like this Richard Ramirez one, where it's going to talk about how they actually caught him oh, in that process? Always that. I mean, if it was a document, like for especially for a documentary, because I like the this is how we caught him, this, this is, is how, how we, we took him, him in. Right. Here's the scene. Here's mm-hmm. the interviews. What I thought was crazy about that Night Stalker documentary, I like the fact that it was only four parts. Yeah. Um, I thought all the design and production was excellent. It was really well directed. But it's cool because uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night mm-hmm. Stalker, was active in 1984, 85. So they have tons of video footage, tons and tons of video footage, not even just like footage of like him and around. But so much like B-roll footage of Los Angeles at the time and Southern California at the time that it really puts you there. Like seeing all the detectives lined up outside the house for real and not a dramatization, not here's the cast, not nothing. But like here's what these guys that we're talking to 30 years later looked like standing outside victim number 17's house or whatever. There's a sequence. And again, I don't know if this is a spoiler alert for something that happened in real life. You know, go watch the documentary anyway. Oh, you you definitely should. There's a sequence at the end when they're catching... The night soccer, when essentially like this whole street of people is like chasing him down the street, being like, "This is the guy! This is the guy! Mm-hmm. Like somebody go get him!" And I'm in a weird way, I'm surprised that doesn't happen more. <laughs> do you know what I mean like for like like if there is a serial killer in Utica, mm. do you not think that people would like band together to stop the serial killer? I mean, if they knew who it was, if, you know what I'm like saying? Out in yeah. the street, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's kind of the whole thing with the serial killers. People yeah. don't often just know who they are. Right, right. We're like, just the idea. I, I like. There was something very symbolic and very. It, it made me uplifted in a weird way. I'm yeah. like, yeah, get them. Like, will, look at you guys banding together to stop this evil. I will right? say, uh, although I recommend that people do watch the documentary, I thought it was awesome. Um, if you're somebody who is like fearful or anxious about this kind of stuff, uh, I know some people are. Avoid it. Actually, I would say because the nature of the crimes, the breath, brevity, and randomness of oh, the crimes yeah. is pretty horrifying. Very unsettling. So, like, if you're somebody who's already, like, a little too paranoid about, like, just some random person coming into your house in the night, don't, don't watch yeah. this documentary. You don't need it. Uh, let's do something uh, a little lighter. Let's talk about uh, Patrick Leahy. You familiar with Patrick Leahy? Mm-hmm. Uh, Senator Patrick Leahy is a Democrat from Vermont, and he is the longest-serving member of the current Senate. He's also uh, the third in line for the presidency, theoretically, if something were to happen. He's also a Batman aficionado who has turned his fandom into philanthropy. He's appeared in five different Batman movies. This has been making the rounds this week. Mm-hmm. Did you know this already? Uh, I had heard a bit. I had heard a bit about it. I just, because I remember when he was in other Batman, like, oh, this senator in the Batman movie. That's crazy. He gets killed by the Joker. In the in the dark night. If you're a Batman fan, what else are you asking for? <laughs> really? I feel like here's the thing, right? 
I'm sure there are some people who are like, oh, if you're in politics, you shouldn't be doing stuff like this. I would be doing this all the time if I was in politics. The people who say that if you're in politics, you shouldn't be doing this are only mad because it's a Democrat. <laughs> Sorry. Well, apparently he was asked to be in this new Batman movie, mm. and he said no. Because he's like, I just I got too many things going on. Yeah, Wait, good. So good for him, but like... I'm busy now. It's That's pretty wild. Like, you're so well-known as a Batman fan, because you're like, you just happen to like Batman, right? Mm-hmm. That people are like calling you up. Like, I... Any Twin Peaks people out there who want to just put me in some Twin Peaks shit because they know I like it, please reach out to me. I'd be yeah, happy yeah. to do it. Uh, all right. What else happened this week? Uh, two, two coronavirus stories. California is lifting their stay-at-home orders uh, as ICU crowding eases in California. Um, I mean, I'm hoping that's good news that ICU coverage is down, but it makes me worry that they're going right back to just, like, don't stay at home anymore. They, I, ICUs in, in Southern California, Los Angeles area are still at 0% available capacity. Yeah. In California, they also just recently lifted a bunch of uh, air pollution regulations mm-hmm. so that the crematoriums could keep up with the body burning. They weren't able to burn corpses fast enough, so they lifted air quality control regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you know, <laughs> no good. it's open back up. It's uh, just the flu. Speaking of which, uh, Dave Chappelle tested positive for COVID-19 this week after hanging out with Grimes, Elon Musk, and Joe Rogan in Texas. I can't believe that's a real sentence. <laughs> I mean, I can believe it's a real sentence. It just seems like a weird sentence that I've read today. Dave Chappelle gets COVID after hanging out with Elon Musk and Joe Rogan and Grimes. I gotta be honest, I wouldn't want to hang out with any of those three people except Chappelle. I'm not trying to hang out with Elon Musk or Grimes or... Maybe Joe Rogan. Grimes might be an interesting hang because it's a musician. I would, I would love to, I would love to butt some heads with Rogan a little bit, like privately, and be like, "Hey, man, what are we doing here?" I'd like to know how. How I like to talk to everybody. There's like, there's not, there's probably not a person of note that I wouldn't be interested in talking to. I guess, but under what context? Uh, let's talk about something that probably affects me and you more than it does the general person. But this was announced earlier this week. Uh, the World Wrestling Federation has announced. And a multi-year deal with NBC, the WWE Network, which started in 2014, mm-hmm. uh, will move to NBC's streaming service, Peacock, beginning on March 18th, 2021. Move will take place three days before the past, the Fastlane pay-per-view. It will not impact uh, subscribers outside of the United States. Uh, apparently, the WWE is making $200 million mm. uh, for this deal. It does mean that I'm going to have to get rid of my WWE Network and now mm. sign up for Peacock. Oh. So this is how it works. The deal will see the cost of the network drop from $10 a month to $5 a month. Mm-hmm. Subscribers will also gain access to NBC's library. And then you could pay $10 for the ad-free version. Mm. So they're obviously NBC... In a similar note this week, NBC canceled... NBC Sports, which for many years covered the Premier League for soccer fans here in the United, in the U.S. and hockey. So it seems like NBC as a company has just decided we're done trying to do our own sports thing. We're yeah. just going to start. We're going to move everything to our streaming services. I'm just going to pour one out here for the WWE Network for a second. I know that WWE is not a great company. and They do a lot of terrible things. But I do think the WWE Network, when it came out, was a little bit ahead of its time. Mm. In terms of like a company owning its entire streaming platform and just in- internalizing it, right? Like, even the NFL doesn't have the NFL network where you can go watch every NFL game that's ever existed in a library. It's different, though. 
It's not a yeah. sport. Like, you know, what what what's the interest of going back and watching a football game from two thousand four? I'm sure somebody would. I I guess, but like that's a really tough hang. Um, but I'm like, it, if you're going back and watching like wrestlers doing wrestling matches, yeah, they're being athletic, but like they're acting out a story. So you can go back and rewatch the story, same way we can go back and rewatch an episode of Seinfeld or whatever else it might be. But I feel like with something like the NFL, like I mean, unless you're like your your deepest diehard, yeah. I was going back and watching, you know. Texans versus Titans from 2009. Are they not? (laughs) You might. I might, yeah. Uh, No, I just think, you know, I kind of assumed that this was how everything would be, right? Like, all these companies, like, the UFC would have their own UFC TV. You want to watch UFC? Just Mm -mm. click on the UFC's. Can't. Can't. Too expensive. Too expensive. And no company would ever sell their their, like, connections at such a low price where it felt like a deal. It wasn't like the WWE is going to be, like, $2 a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. To have the network. Like, if $10 is, like, at $10 a month for a streaming service, you're really talking, like, what? You really want, like, what, four streaming services max? Do you know what I mean? Like, $10 a month every month? It's a lot. Yeah. Right? So, I don't know. Shame for the WWE network. I've enjoyed it for six years. Mm. I guess this means I have to go get Peacock now. They have Premier League and wrestling. Like, what am I? What am I supposed to do? I think I think <laughs> Premier League is is the true help there. You know what I mean? Because like old with like older wrestling stuff and like especially junk. Like once you've seen it, it's diminishing returns. But with the Premier League stuff, I mean the ability for you for as much as Premier League soccer as you want to watch. Yeah. Having that available would definitely be a worthwhile investment. Well, especially because now I don't have the NBC Sports thing working anyway. I have to mm-hmm. watch these games in various forms on the internet, mm-hmm. right? So to yeah. go back to having a platform to watch yeah. these, it's easy and doesn't make me have to stress out in the morning for 10 minutes. Yeah. That'd be a nice changeover. So there you go. Uh, pour one out for WWE Network. Uh, let's do some lightning round questions, and then we'll call it a day. I don't remember... My history lessons are gone. All right, so while I pull my history lessons up, why don't I pull my Spotify list out because i got to find mine. Oh! That's all right. I don't know if you've... I didn't send you the list yet, so I don't imagine that you no. have looked at any of the tracks yet. I have not. Uh, but I'll give you two tracks that I'm listening to this week. Uh, the first one is Cruel Summer by Bananarama. Mm. I don't know why. I forget what we were watching. Mm. Maybe it was because we were watching something 80s related this mm. week. I don't know why I was thinking Night about... Stalker. No, it wasn't Night... We got in a discussion about a song, about whether or not it was psychedelic, and I realized oh, it okay. wasn't. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. What it was some song, and I was like, oh, Bananarama does a song. It's not a psychedelic song, and I realized that it was actually a cover. Uh, then it got me yeah. thinking about Bananarama, which got me to Cruel Summer, which uh, I think is a dope song, actually. Okay. Too long, but a good song. Uh, and then the other one, uh, let's go Hey Sandy. By the band Polaris. For folks who don't know, that's the theme song. You'll know. You'll, you'll know. know it. You'll know when you you'll hear know it. when you hear it. One of my one of my hey, all time. I almost favorites. dropped that one on the playlist one time for some some uh, pop culture credit. Pop culture credit. I almost did. I was almost like, yo, I'm in him with the Polaris. Polaris. It's a good track. The it's real ones. No. Kev, uh, you have any tracks you want to highlight since you didn't come up with a list already? Because I didn't oh, send it to you. Oh boy. Oh boy. Tra- no, because I, I haven't. I I never. No. <laughs> I didn't send it to I you. I never know. So. You didn't send it to me. I didn't see what you did. I always look to you to see if there is a theme or something I can play off. I don't have a, a theme bit. this week. It's all like yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta be honest. This was a rough. I was so caught up with uh, baseball, uh, football this week. Couple mid nineties hip hop classics, huh? A lot of mid nineties. I'll meet you there. We'll yeah, mid nineties hip hop. Mid nineties hip hop out here on the pod. Uh all right, quick lightning round question for you, Kev. Um, okay. How much cheese is too much? Granted, there can never be enough cheese, but how many different cheeses are too much? I bring this up 
because some French chef just set a record by putting 254 different cheeses on a pizza. Um, I mean, I understand. I kind of get what you, I, I see where this question's going. You ever see like eat like a five cheese pizza or a four cheese pizza, and you look at the ingredients like that doesn't really count as four cheeses, right? Like it feels mm. like they're stretching. I don't have a problem with the different types of cheese. I have an issue when you put too much cheese on anything. I'm with you. I was just going to say, I had people saying, oh, there's no such thing as too much cheese. False. False. Uh, there's too much amount of cheese. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't mean I won't eat it. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, sometimes it will, though. Like, I've had, you know what's one I've realized, and I think especially as I get older, uh, if I'm making a grilled cheese, too, and I'm using, like, you're using, like, some real orange melty gooey stuff mm-hmm. on the inside, too much cheese, like, almost ruins it. Like, it's just like, ah, this is too much of this. Definitely, but, I mean, if you're cooking... Uh, if it tastes good, it tastes good. That's it. So I, if you're putting 200 cheeses on a pizza and that pizza tastes good, I'm going to salute I learned a lot of this by mistake, right? Like when I was a kid, I used to make a lot of Doritos and cheese nachos. Mm. And as a kid, I was like, I'm just going to put as much cheese as possible. I want this to be super cheesy and delicious. So I just mm. put as much cheese as possible on it. And then you get to a point where it's like, this is nothing. There's nothing here. This is just a blob of cheese, right? There's nothing going on here anymore. For sure. There's like a limit to this. So mm. I think that's where it's not... Types of cheese. Well, I say it all issue. the time with uh, people making pizzas. People yeah. will over cheese yeah. their pizza yeah. because they don't realize how little. I'm not saying little like there's not much, but like in an actual pizza place, any pizza place you like, you go to, they're putting less cheese on that pizza before it goes in the oven than you probably think yep. they are. Yep. And that's a big that's a mistake I see a lot of people make when they do a homemade pizza. They put too much cheese on it, and then it just like coagulates really quickly, and it's all it's a mess. And uh, we'll do one last one. Uh, it's now pretty much expected if you attend a sporting event or a concert, you're going to take out your phone and record the action or a song for posterity. Mm. But honestly, do people really go back and watch? I can literally think of at least 400 things off the top of my head that I'd rather do than watch some fo- out-of-focus, blurred, shaky footage of some people from 100 yards away uh, or someone yelling into a microphone. Mm. What are your thoughts? Uh, I've never once gone back I don't think to ever watch footage from a concert I've been to that I've taped. That I've taped. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe once. Mm-hmm. I went to a Lagwagon concert once with my good friend Anthony Colenzo, and I recorded a song that I really liked by them so I could show it to you guys. Mm-hmm. I think I did show it to you once. Yeah, yeah. And that's about it. I don't know if I've ever actually went back to watch any footage I've recorded at a concert or a sporting event ever. You think you're going to. Maybe you posted to social media to say, hey, look, I was there. I think that's what a lot of it is for. People yeah. putting into, like, stories and snaps. I yeah. know there have been times where I was at concerts and, like, there was... Say I was at a concert and somebody I knew who really liked the band, one of my friends or, you know, somebody <coughs> I'm involved with yeah. is into the band, but they're not at the show and they really yeah. like whatever song. Yeah. And so I'll send them a little clip of, hey, look, they're playing, you know, whatever song it is. And I think for people who post, like, Instagram stories and that kind of stuff... If you have a really cool vantage point or you get some really high-quality video footage, that's all fine and good. But, yeah, just the blurry standing out in the middle, can't really see, over-zoomed, poorly pixelated. I'm not, I am not. I don't need it, but I don't take a lot of photos and video anymore at all anyway. You know what I mean? So. No, it's true. I don't either. Um, I'll put that Lagwagon song on. I'll replace one of these songs. Oh, there you go. that Lagwagon track on. There you go. Uh, all right, I think that's uh, I think that's a good place for us to. to so call you it. must not have seen the story. I did not see the story. I you saw a story yeah, this yeah, week, yeah. and it was on Vice. So I'm surprised you didn't see oh, it. Oh, really? Uh, there's a gentleman, and maybe you just know about it. Maybe it was an older story, and I just caught it at the wrong time. There's a gentleman in Mexico 
who's running for I can't remember what government position, mayor or senator mm. or whatever, whatever kind of thing. But sure. he's, he's running for elected office in Mexico, <laughs> and he's a luchador. Yes. And he's got some sort of name, but he doesn't oh, want to reveal who he is or take off the mask. Oh, you can't. So he's like, no, I want you to elect, like, you know, El Fantasma <laughs> del Luchador. It doesn't matter who I am under here. I'm not taking off the mask. Elect uh, my luchador character to Congress or Mexican, whatever, who, whatever government position it is. I don't remember. Who's the guy in England? Lord Buckethead is that the guy in mm. England who runs all the time? He's like dressed like Darth Vader and yeah, he runs. Probably. It just other, it's telling you, other countries do a way better job with their elections in terms of making them entertaining than ours. Ours, it always feels like insurrection. In England, they got a guy dressed up like Darth Vader, being like, "I represent the people." I mean, it's not supposed to feel like insurrection. <laughs> it's not supposed to feel like insurrection. <laughs> Uh, all right, shout out again to Heather Waz. Thank you the once best. again. The best. We love you to death. Uh, soon this will be over, and one day you will be back. Mm. And we will we will have good times. Uh, all right, that's it. You follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. Uh, what am I forgetting? There's one more floating around in there mm. somewhere. I don't know. Any place you get all podcasts, the platforms, you can get us. Uh, um, I... Vague rumors that I'm going to Chicago in a few weeks. So I don't know exactly what we're hey, doing. I don't know. We're, we're we're talking about it. We'll figure out what I'll do. I don't think we'll miss the show. I think everything will no, be fine. We'll, just, I'll, I'll we'll do one. Of, we'll do one a different time. Yeah. Can yeah, one. Yeah, you yeah. go out there. You'll get your interview. You'll paste it together. I think Randall did the interview. Ooh, uh, Randall. Uh, talk about the Pesh Mo. All right. That's it. Sayonara. He is tight. Woodstock lives. Tape machines are over. We are desperately, desperately out of time, and we will see you next week for another episode of the Uticast. Uh, yeah, bundle up, folks. It's getting cold out there.